Welcome to the Realtors Land Institute podcast, the voices of land, the industry's leading land real estate organization. Hello, this is Justin Osborne, accredited land consultant with the Wells Group Real Estate Brokerage in Colorado and New Mexico. On today's podcast, we're going to hear from Nancy Surak. Nancy has her accredited land consultant designation and her CCIM designation. She is the senior land advisor and managing broker with land advisors in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to the podcast today, Nancy. Thanks, Justin. Nice to meet you again. You know, I'm looking forward to um, hearing more about you. I was looking at your website and um, you have just been killing it in the real estate industry during your career. Thank you. Um, I've worked really hard uh, for everything that I've accomplished to date and the awards, and we can get into some of those details, but I've had a, a very wonderful career and, and I'm incredibly blessed. I see you were um, awarded the Land Deal of the Year Award five times there in Tampa, that you received the um, Excellence Award from the Tampa organization, been recognized as uh, one of the top 40 under 40 in the Gulf Coast Business Review, and top woman in Florida commercial real estate. I mean, the list goes on and on, but what I'm really excited about, and I think a lot of our listeners are excited about, is you were most recently recognized as the first woman to be part of RLI's Apex Award program. Congratulations for that. Thank you. And to clarify, I think it's the top 20, right? So the Apex is producers. Uh, but to clarify the award, I am the first woman and the only woman who's made the list to date. I hope going forward, there are lots of us. Uh, but it is a great uh, pinnacle achievement of my career. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. Uh, but I'm really, really thankful for RLI for recognizing producers around the nation. Well, tell me about your, your market there. I mean, what is it that you're mostly selling in Tampa uh, that's, that's helped you get to the point where you're at today? I uh, am a specialist for commercial land, commercial and master plan, large master plan communities. So I sell everything from several thousand acres for a master plan community that's going to be developed into housing and potentially multifamily and maybe neighborhood commercial, all the way down to your typical commercial out parcel on a corner that might be a fueling station or a fast food concept. I do everything in between, including multifamily apartments and self-storage. Uh, I do quite a bit of transitional land that's transitioning from an agricultural or past, uh, pasture use that's heading right into development. Uh, but I do not do any farming uh, or more traditional income producing farming properties. Okay. And with what's kind of been going on in the real estate world, the you know, I guess it'd really be the past 14 months with COVID. Have you seen um, kind of a shift in some of that with maybe uh, more multifamily or less commercial than you used to be seeing maybe pre-COVID? Or tell us a little about how that's affected your market. 
So the Tampa Bay region has actually been performing very well uh, in the Southeast U.S. for several years now. And pre-COVID, we were beginning to see, especially on the residential side, a little bit of tightening and a little bit of pullback. But when COVID happened, lots of folks put the brakes on. I mean, pretty much every deal that I had under contract, they pumped the, the buyers pumped the brakes because folks didn't really know what was going to happen from an equity or a capital standpoint. There was a lot of nervousness originally in March and April. Um, but pretty quickly in Florida, we began, and especially in Tampa, we began to reopen in May and it was just like on fire. We Our market has been on fire since. We have seen a significant in, uh, uptick in multifamily demand, obviously residential demand. The builders are in my market are selling their homes so at such a fast pace and so quickly that they don't have enough land to build new homes on. And so there's this big push on the back end to produce lots at a faster pace now. Uh, but we sit in a pretty remarkable market. And then we came off of COVID, uh, or I mean, we're in the middle of it still, but we're coming off of 2020 and Tampa Bay, you know, we, we had the Stanley Cup win. Uh, then we had the a uh, Super Bowl win. And so our region is really firing on all cylinders, which means commercial real estate, land, as it isn't really hot demand and high demand. I get calls from all over the U.S. on a regular basis, daily, uh, really to invest in our region. So I, I feel very fortunate to be sitting here. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing a definite uptick with the exception of perhaps one asset class. Uh, our office, just like I would think anywhere else in the U.S., is still sort of kind of coming out of the COVID fog and still trying to figure out what's going to happen. I do not have any or very limited office land demand. Uh, and why I say limited is I am seeing some medical demand for specific locations for office. Okay. And how would you describe, I'm going to call them maybe your feeder markets. You said you're getting calls from all over the country. Do you have certain states that you're seeing people coming from more than the others? So I am the managing broker for land advisors here in the Tampa Bay region. But my company, our land advisors, has 26 offices across the U.S., uh, so I get on a pretty regular basis calls from all of those markets, folks know and do business with uh, advisors in another location and they may be looking at the Tampa market. But I would say since COVID, our markets that are attracting interest here locally and investment is certainly the Northeast, New York, uh, and Connecticut, New Jersey. A lot of folks are down here uh, poking around, which makes a lot of sense. We're actually having a decent amount of interest from South East Florida from like the Miami area because Tampa is slightly more affordable. And so those developers or even uh, consumers or investors, they can get a little bit more bang for their buck up here. Uh, we're seeing folks from, I'm seeing folks from Chicago, uh, California, uh, quite a few from California, surprisingly, um, even from Texas. I'm, there's just, there's a very bright light on our region right now. And um, a lot of folks are looking at us and looking at the return on investment and the internal rate of return that uh, development is bringing. So it's it's a good time to be a land broker. Well, that's great. Congratulations. You know, it's really neat to hear uh, just parts of the United States that are really thriving. You know, 
Um, question for you regarding how you got into this. I mean, did you just wake up one day and say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get into real estate or is this something you've always thought about? Or why don't you tell us a little bit of how you got to be where you're at today? So that that's a great question because it really goes back to my childhood. Uh, when I was, I would, and what I mean by that is I was not born into a commercial or even residential real estate family. I um, have not really been around it. I didn't have any mentors growing up. Uh, in fact, if anything, uh, I watched my dad when I was a teenager go into an investment deal, a self-storage deal in the late 80s. And it kept me away from the industry for a long time because he got pretty burned um, in his investment. But in my mid-30s, uh, I woke up one day and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do when I grow up, right? What am I going to do when I grow up? And I did a lot of thought and a lot of prayer. And I kept coming back to my childhood and how I was the little girl in the backyard playing with Barbies, the Tonka trucks and the sticks and the bricks and the stones and building things. And I just kept coming back to the land. And I didn't really want to be a developer uh, at the time, but I was just so enamored and interested in land and how it is the start of everything that that comes after, you know, it's the start where people decide to live or where our food is grown or where we go to work. It all starts the land, just like our code of ethics say, you know, all, all is under the land. Uh, what is it? Under all is the land, right? Or something like that. Um, but it really is. I, I took a moment to really think about where what was going to make me happiest. And so I decided I wanted to be in real estate. And then I decided I wanted to be a land broker in real estate. And so my second career, my mid thirties, I decided to leave a great position and a great career behind and roll the dice and join a firm, a boutique firm in Tampa. And uh, it's been a great, great journey ever since. You know, I love what you just said there and what makes me the happiest or what's going to make me the happiest. And I think so many people, they they don't ask that question up front. They might get into this business thinking that, oh, you know, I, I can see what realtors are, are doing or what they're charging. And I saw what I had to pay that realtor. And, you know, this is going to be a job where I, I make good money. And so many people don't ask themselves, well, what do I really want to do? What What's going to make me happy? Whether that's, you know, driving around and transitional land. I, I love hearing you talk about that because it is really neat to see what we're doing and providing for the economy. When you take this, this open land or timber forest and you go back, you know, five years later and you see um, medical centers like you're talking about or subdivisions or you know, um, just neighborhoods that really do provide a sense of community. And um, it's it's neat to be able to see that and know that we had a part in that. Absolutely. And, you know, it. I always tell people because they do look at, you know, the big deals, right? And they're doing the calculations in their head. Oh, well, she must have made whatever commission on that deal. What they don't see is that um, my sales cycle can be on average, three years from the time that I begin to talk with a landowner, whether I'm representing them or I'm representing the buyer, to the time of an actual closing where I get paid, I can work on something for three years and never see a dime. People don't really talk about that. And when you say, well, yeah, that was a great deal, but I worked on it for three years or I worked on it for seven years, 
then people go, the gravity of that sets in, right? Of, oh my God, how hard is it to work with people for three or four or five years and not collect a paycheck? You have to really love this business to do that. Uh, because the other side of it is deals fall apart all the time in my world in land. Um, I was talking to a young woman who sells farming land and I was asking her, what's your sales cycle? And she said, it's about 45 days. And I said, wait, what's your market? Cause I might be moving. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, but I do love it. And I do have the pleasure of working with some pretty remarkable people, both sellers and buyers that are, you know, really special to me. Uh, but it does come with, you have to love it. You have to be passionate about helping people and wanting to make a difference in your community. Well, it sounds like you are extremely diversified in what you sell. And I'd, I'd love to kind of just pick your brain on um, maybe some of the coolest or the strangest transactions that you've experienced over the years. Okay. So there've been so many. I've been really, really fortunate. One of the best deals that I did was I was able to work on a deal called Connerton uh, back in 2018. I actually won land deal of the year and overall commercial real estate deal of the year in Tampa Bay uh, for that transaction. It was about a $27 million land deal. And it was a portion of a master plan community, the remaining un, uh, untouched and vacant land that hadn't been developed. Uh, but what makes that a pretty remarkable deal was that I actually worked on it two years prior to taking it to the market, 100% confidentially. And I had to keep it so confidential that there were people who I was exceptionally close to, including my husband, who I couldn't talk about the deal to. And a lot of people are like, wait, you, you were able to keep something a secret? I had to. It was part of my agreement. Uh, but I did a lot of financial analysis and a lot of modeling for the development as to based on trends and data trends to help the owner understand when the right time to sell would be. Uh, and so we worked on it for two years and then decided to launch it to the market early February of 2018. And we were closed by December. That was a great deal. Uh, but I've had, you know, some pretty strange deals where I'm selling a land where, you know, I've received calls from the local deputies uh, that they've had someone in prison and that individual is claiming that they murdered someone and that they dumped the body on a property that I've had for sale. Uh, so those are always really interesting, um, you know, to get a call and they're like, hey, we need to contact the owner. Your name is on a sign. Can you get us access behind the gate? And I'm just like, wait, why? Why is the police calling me for access behind a piece of land? Uh, and they're like, yeah, we got to go see if there's this body on the property. Um, and, you know, luckily we sell them and I do a little happy dance, but I have had that. Um, I've had some really interesting things. I've had some great clients over the years. Well, that's neat. And if we were to go back and look at uh, that big transaction you did in 2018, is that to the point where um, that's halfway through development now? Or what What would we see there? Is it Would we see commercial names that we know? Or was it multifamily? Um, so that that's a great question. Uh, because when we sold it, there was still entitlement work to be done. 
and there were still some permits that needed to be pulled. And just a couple of days ago, I saw that the buyer, who was actually a, re a relatively large, well-known home builder, Lennar, um, that they had uh, reached another hurdle in their approvals and that they were getting closer and closer to that, which um, which is very exciting, you know, but they they really did, um, it's, it's taken a while. You know, we're in 2021 and that was the end of 2018. So it's two years, they're two years in, uh, but the whole area around it is really filling in. So it's, it's not a bad deal at all for them, but I, they haven't, gone to the point where they're building the houses yet, but they are looking at it from a mixed use standpoint. So it's going to have lots of different components. Okay. Well, and and so taking a company like Lennar, um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I mean, they purchased it three years ago. Um, I work with a lot of local builders here in Colorado and New Mexico, and the, the price of construction has just gone up so much because of the material cost. Now, I'm I'm in some pretty remote areas. The, the, it's not like there's a big city just right down the road. And so um, that might affect us more than it does you. But I would imagine that these big volume builders, uh, when they look at what they were thinking it was going to cost to build a home three years ago when they purchased a property like that, compared to what construction costs are now, that's got to make a big dent in their pocketbook. Are, are you seeing the same thing there that I'm seeing here? Yeah, I am seeing it. I'll tell you, um, last year, towards the end of 2020, it was really seeing that exceptionally pronounced in the multifamily space. I sold a number of multifamily tracks in 2020. And between July and December, the prices for lumber and other construction materials and getting um, the things that they're going to put in those apartment units, like washers and dryers, became very, very difficult. And the deal I closed in December was directly impacted. I mean, they were reworking numbers the week of closing and the construction numbers were coming in crazy above budget. And they were, you know, those groups were freaking out. The buyer was like freaking out. The buyer actually came to me and said, we need to, you know, discuss a price discount. We can't close this deal. Um, and, and there were some things that we did, but it was, it was pretty stressful and that continues. I think, you know, what's happening in Tampa is that our demand is so high and has not really retreated that we can kind of offset you know, the builders or the apartment developers are offsetting it with increases in the sales price or increases in the rental rate. And the demand is for folks coming into our market is so high that it's being absorbed. Uh, so, but I do think that it's something we have to very carefully as a region, as a as an industry, we have to watch that uh, because it is impacting different markets more severely. Uh, but I think in the Sun Belt areas, those markets are, you know, there's such an influx from other markets still of in population that, you know, it's it's kind of weighing itself out. But I'm hoping that it's short term, the lumber increase prices. I, I hope that it's just, you know, as a result of COVID. But I think it's a little bit more complicated, COVID and then increased demand. I think, you know, I've heard and read articles where people have decided not to sell their homes and then they're doing all these improvements. And so that's adding additional demand that wasn't there before. So we'll see. I, You know, it could be a new normal. Uh, years ago, it was labor. Labor shortage was a huge deal. Um, but I do think that, you know, affordability is, is an issue that we all have to be concerned about. 
Well, let's talk about these two designations that put you in the, uh, I believe it's one-tenth of one percent of all the realtors in the United States that have the both CCIM and ALC designation. How long ago was it when you had, you got your CCIM first and then your ALC, correct? No, I got my ALC first and then I got my CCIM. Okay. And I started in this business, I've been in and around real estate most, a lot of my adult career, Um, but I began doing uh, land brokerage and land sales in 2005. I got my ALC a couple years after I started um, because I was, I've always been a huge proponent of investing in education and making sure I know what I'm talking about and that I have a firm grasp of terminology and really understanding the business. Uh, And I believe I got my CCIM in 2010 because between the time when I earned my ALC and my CCIM, the CCIM uh, Institute or the Realtors Institute increased the CCIM um, volume or the production numbers. And it was something like $30 million or something. You had to have $30 million of closed deals. And at the time, it was a huge jump. And so I had to, had to wait till I got additional volume uh, to apply for that. But I'm really glad that I did it. I'm really glad that it's behind me because it was not easy, um, but it was a great investment. And I did not know that it's one-tenth of 1%. Um, but it, it does help me understand that business. And especially from when people are looking at land from an investment standpoint and they're running internal rate of return uh, analysis, I can help with that because I have those that skill set. I can put together the spreadsheets as well as I use both RLI, um, ALC education and CCM for opportunity cost conversations. When I tell sellers, okay, you might not want to sell right now and that's okay, uh, but here's what it could provide you from a time value of money standpoint if you sell today versus waiting 10 years, um, but also where they might take those funds and reinvest them uh, for a different way of life. Like I have those conversations as well. That's that's so great. You know, I remember taking the the land investment analysis class when I got my ALC and there were so many people that were um, just really struggling saying, well, you know, when are we going to use this? I'm, I'm selling farm ground or I'm selling recreational properties. And, you know, this seems like something a commercial realtor should need to know. And it's so great sitting here talking to you and listening about really what are testimonials for both the transitional land class and the land investment analysis class for these younger realtors to say, look, you know, yes, this stuff is intense, um, but you are a walking testimony to the many benefits that come from people that can actually learn this stuff and be confident having conversations about opportunity cost and internal rate of return and time value of money and things that you're talking about. Yeah, it's really important. Um, I had a recent conversation with somebody relatively young in, in the business, and they were asking me if they should wait to get their ALC, if they should wait to do the classes till they have more experience. And I said, absolutely not. I look back at the beginning of my career in this space, and I think I reached very rapid success because of my education. 
I really understood the business and I put the work in on the front end. I didn't just wait for the school of hard knocks <laughs> to teach me. And look, I, I've been doing this for a long time and every deal is unique. And I learned something new on every single transaction. But what I wanted was the, the fast path to help me not make a fool of myself if I'm talking to a landowner or a developer or a buyer. I want to know the terminology. I want to understand languages so that I'm not an embarrassment to myself and so that I can be more successful. And I, I really look back at my career and I can, without any qualms, give a huge testimony to it was because of the education and then the continued education, things you learn on deals and things you learn on podcasts and, uh, you know, reading the magazine. There was a, an article in the recent Terra Firma about um, property rights. And that was something I hadn't read in a while. And I was like, oh, wow, I, you forget, you know, how important things are. And, you know, I was able to use that and tell people like, hey, make sure you're paying attention to things in your local areas, you know, and how things are being monitored and drone usage and make sure you're understanding those trends because it may, you know, different trends mean you might want to sell sooner if you have a piece of land you're not doing anything with uh, because property rights change over time. Um, but no, I, I'm a huge believer in, in education. That's that's great advice. I was unfortunately kind of the hard knocks guy there that you're talking about where, you know, I was I was in business for about 11 years before I really kind of came to my senses with, you know, I should I should really kind of look into this, you know, Realtors Land Institute and this education they're offering and, you know, see what it's all about. And, oh, I wish I would have done it so much sooner, like you're advising, because that, that education is so valuable at such a young age. Well, other other than uh, the advice to kind of get as much education as you can um, early on, what other advice would you give to our listeners that are, you know, sitting here trying to figure out how to be the best land realtor they can? So um, I would definitely say invest in your licensing. I always tell people, I'm not suggesting that you might want to leave where you're at, but if you have your broker's associate license, um, that is an additional education, right? That helps you understand the business, but it also gives you ultimate freedom so that if you want to go off on your own or you want to go somewhere else or the broker maybe that you're working under um, has a health issue, you can step into that leadership role very quickly. Uh, so I, you know, I always tell young folks, you know, get your education, make sure you have the best license um, that you can have at your experience level. Uh, and then certainly, and, and this is a lesson I learned and I'm doing some things about it now is invest in your personal brand and making sure that um, you're doing things like uh, talking to the media, writing articles, doing podcasts, uh, putting yourself out there on social media, uh, applying for programs, uh, you know, the, like the Apex program. Don't, if you qualify for an award, you should be taking the time in your career to apply. You never know who you're going up against and you never know what the judges of that award are looking for at any moment in time. And I feel very fortunate to have, you know, five land deals of the year award in my region. And, you know, three of those were selected for the, the overall commercial real estate deal of the year. That was because I took the time to, to really fill in those application process, you know, packages 
and tell my story of what I did for my client, why it should be deserving of such an award, and paint that picture for the people who were, you know, the judges that year. Um, so those are the things that I would definitely hit on and just say, you know, it's it's a continuous and evolving business, and you ha- you can't just do your education and leave it in the rearview mirror. You have to constantly be willing to learn. Well, that is so well said. Well. Um, anything else for the benefit of the RLI organization or for the benefit of our listeners that you'd like to hit on here and wrapping up? Um, you know, the, the only other thing I would say is, you know, if there's something that you want to do, don't wait. Um, you know, I, I've been wanting to, to invest in my personal brand for a really long time. And just in the last uh, few months have spent a lot of time and energy into craft my messaging. And I'm looking back saying, you know, I should have did this a long time ago. Should have had my own website a long time ago. Uh, and I'm just now getting to the point where I'm watching that. I've relied on the company. But um, I would say if there's something gnawing at you that you want to do, just go and do it. Get it out of your way. Get over yourself and go, you know, put the fear to the side and just go tackle whatever that dream is. So well said, Nancy. Well, I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. We've heard from Nancy Surak with Land Advisors out of Tampa, Florida.